you know, you can't be in a life without dissension or strife unless you're walking in love. And that's why here at the cathedral, and I pray it spreads throughout the world, you know, to be a Christian, it is so, it's so simple. We make it difficult with doctrines. We make it difficult, you know, with ideas and rules and denominations and whatnot. The truth is, if you're going to be a Christian, there's three simple things you have to do. And that is to love, to lead, and to teach. Now, let me break that down for you. We love God with all of our heart and we love other people. Because, sweet pea, if you don't love other people, you're not loving God. The Bible says it's not complete in you. And this is the commandment that Jesus gave us, that we love one another. And so maybe we should focus a little bit more on love instead of some other things in the body of Christ. Secondly, we're to lead. Jesus said, go and make disciples in all the nations. We're to lead people, not to necessarily our church. We can, through our church, lead people to Jesus. And the third thing is teach Teach them to follow him. Don't teach them to follow you. Don't teach them to follow your church. Don't teach them to follow your denomination. Teach them to follow Jesus. Because I'm telling you what, if you get somebody connected with Jesus and, and they're in love with him and they read his word because they love him and they follow him because they love him, man, there's going to be very few problems in their life. They won't be coming to the church for counseling. They'll be helping others. Can, I, can you say amen? Love, lead, and teach, guys. It is that simple. And today I want to talk to you about following. Everybody say follow. As I was preparing this message, just putting the finished touches on it, I put my new shirt on and I looked in the mirror and I began to notice some things. You know, as, I, as, I'm, as I'm, I don't know, shedding the uh, mortal coil, as I'm getting rid of some of this flesh, I, I realized three things about aging. Are you ready? I noticed that uh, when I was young, I was called. I, I was kind of like what you would call stacked, and 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 I'm pretty sure right now, if I went to the doctor, he would say, Kenny, you know, um, you're so many years old, and you got Dresser's disease. And dresser's disease is simply this: it's when your chest falls into your drawers. I mean, when I'm get, as I'm getting older, I'm noticing that you know it just doesn't fit like it used to no matter how hard I try. I also noticed this this morning because I looked in the mirror and I've been watching Pastor Need to do this for years. She'll look in the mirror and she'll look and say, how does this fit back here? And that's when you don't say anything and because it's a safe place to do. But I looked, I looked at mine and I realized I have now have a medium butt but a 2x top. I mean, it's a Frankenstein look. And I, no matter how hard I try, my, it just keeps getting smaller. And, and getting old is, getting older can be a maturing process. And I remember when I was young, I used to think, man, if I could, if I could just get it together like those guys. But I don't want to wait till I'm 50 and 60 to get it together. I, w I want to do it when I'm young so that I can make an impact in the world. And, and now that I'm a little bit, little bit wiser and a little bit older, I've finally been getting it all together. And guess what? I forgot where I put it. I keep forgetting where I put it. So getting old can be good. It could, you know, when you see the, the silver hair uh, appear on your head, that's a sign of wisdom. But no matter how I age... No, no, no matter how bad the dresser's disease gets, 
no matter you know how 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 lack of a hiney that I end up with, and I have to you know cinch my pants really really tight just to get them to stay there because there's nothing you know it's just flat. And no matter how, I want to do that with Jesus. I I don't want. To age, I don't want to mature. I don't even. I don't want to become wealthy. I don't. I don't. I. I don't. I don't even want to grow my family without Jesus. I, with all my heart, I love Jesus, and uh, and I've said this, and, and sometimes sometimes people can take this wrong, but there is nothing on this earth that will get in between me and Jesus. Not not a job, not a not a debt, not a person. Not my wife and not my kids because I can't love her the way I'm supposed to unless I'm that way with him. I could love her that way if I love him that way. Are you following me? I love Jesus, so, so I follow him. Um, there's a guy named Jim Weatherly. Does anybody know who Jim Weatherly was? Jim Weatherly just passed this year, and he, he, he passed away, but he was a recording artist. He was an ex-pro football player, and he was a songwriter. Now, I, I pretty much can guarantee you've never seen him play football, Jim. You've never seen Jim play football. You've never, you have probably never heard Jim sing a song because it never made it to the radio. But I guarantee you know Jim's work because Jim was a songwriter after he, he, he played football. So there's a song that we're going to talk about this morning. And it's something that probably rings in your, you hear it tonight, and you will, guess what, it'll be ringing in your head tomorrow. You'll be singing it in the shower. You know, it's just one of those songs. It's really, really catchy. And, and that song he wrote in 1970. He, he called a friend of his, his friend's, name, uh, his friend's name was Lee Majors. Anybody know who Lee Majors is? Maybe go up here on the board. Lee Majors was the bionic man, the $6 million man. Lee Majors was his friend because they played football together. And so Jim called Lee to see what he was doing. And, and Jim's, or Lee's girlfriend, Farrah Fawcett, anybody know who Farrah Fawcett is? How many of you had a poster of her in your bedroom or in your dorm or still do in the garage? You still got one in the garage, Billy? You do, don't you? Praise the Lord. You know, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, every, every kid in my junior high and high school, man, we had, we had Farrah, you know, in, the, in their lockers even, praise the Lord, because she was just all that in a bag of chips. But so he calls and Farrah answers the phone. And in the course of the conversation, Ferris says something that just stuck in his head, and it was this. She said, uh, we're going to catch the midnight plane to Houston. And it just stuck in his head. It started ringing in his head. And so he got off the phone, and, and he... he He's, he took Lee Majors and he took Farah as like characters as he wrote this particular song. And he wrote this song and he recorded this song, but it never gained any traction. Midnight plane to Houston. And then in 1973, Gladys Knight and the Pips took that song. They changed the name with permission. They changed some of the words and it was Midnight Train to Georgia. You may know that song. I'm leaving. On the midnight, I'm not going to do that. On the midnight train to Georgia. When I was growing up and when I heard this song, even until just recently, I always thought that it was a song of loss. I thought it was a, a song of separation. I thought it was 
uh, song that was kind of depressing, you know, had that soulish blues to it. I loved the tune, but, but I thought it was a sad song. And I found out recently that this Midnight Train to Georgia, by the way, which is one of the, one of the top songs ever recorded, Rolling Stone lists it, lists it in the top 500 songs ever recorded. It's, it's an amazing, amazing piece of work. And when she got behind it, man, it just, it just took off. But in that song, there's this picture of a man who is not where he wants to be and he's not successful. And so he tells his girlfriend he is going to get on the midnight train to Georgia. And he's going to go back to where he came from. He's going to go back to what's familiar. He's going to go back to his old roots. He's going to go back to his family. He's going to go back, you know, to, to the restaurants that he likes. He's going to go back to familiar and she's living in the town that she was raised in. And so she's got her coffee shop there. She's got her job there. She's got her people, you know. She's got her close friends, known them since probably elementary school, whatever. She is connected in this community. But because of love, she says in that song, I am going to be in that seat right next to him. I, I am going to be in that seat. When he goes, I'm going and she makes the most profound statement. This statement has just been mm in me all week long. She makes this very, very profound statement. She says, she says, are you ready? I'd rather be in his world than without him in mine. She says, she's saying, I, I would rather leave everything that I know. The, the, I'd rather leave the world that, that I've created over the last 30 years or whatever. I, I'd rather leave my, my, my stable job, my stable income. I, you know, I got my house half paid off. I'd rather, I'd, I'm going to leave that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave my friends. I'm going I'm to leave everything behind because of love. I, I want to say it again. She, she, she declares in this, this profound statement, I'd rather be in his world than without him in mine. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, ouch, must deny them. She denied herself. She denied her history. She denied her familiar. She denied her comfort. Nietzsche and I just went on a trip, and we were in a really, really nice hotel. And, and, and in our, our bed was really nice. It was, it was soft. It was it felt firm and soft, you know what I mean? And the problem was they weren't our pillows, because they weren't our pillows, we couldn't sleep. Because we're so accustomed to what we do every single day. We're so accustomed to our rituals. We're so accustomed to how we do things, our patterns, our schedules. We couldn't sleep. And, and here this guy was saying, I don't even know if I'm going to have a flipping pillow. But I'm going to follow him because I love him. Jesus said, you must deny yourself and follow me. I would rather be in his world. Than without him in mind. John chapter 17, verse 3. Are you with me? John chapter 17, verse 3 says, and Jesus is saying this now. And this, I want to, I'll give you a little background. These are the words that Jesus prays in his final prayer with his disciples before he goes to the cross. You get it? There's weight here. If I'm going to pray for anything, if I'm going to say anything, I'm going to make sure it lasts because it's the last time that I'm going to be with them in the flesh until after the resurrection. He says this. He said, and this is the way to eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. 
This word no in, in the Greek is the word kenosis. It doesn't matter how it's pronounced, but that word means to know through experience. It, it, it has to do with, it communicates a familiarity acquired through experience or association with a person. So it's not sitting with a book and learning about him, learning about God, learning about Jesus. It's, a, it's about knowing him, experiencing him face to face. It's about, it's about being with him. It's about sitting on, on that, that, in that train in the seat, going somewhere you've never been next to the person that's going to make everything all right. See, to, to know Jesus and to know God is the way to eternal life, the way that you access eternal life. And I'm going to pose something to you right now. You know, if you're living in your world throughout the week, you're missing the very Life of God that is to flow through you to give you strength and peace and joy. To give you the ability to do the things that you know you should and not do the things that you shouldn't. See, eternal life comes through your relationship with Jesus. Now, Jesus called out, now this isn't a new thing. In the very beginning, Jesus called out, and Enoch followed God. He walked with him. Moses followed God. The children of Israel followed God through the desert 40 years following the cloud by day and the, the pillar of fire by night. They, they went to the desert, and they followed him. Eventually, they followed him into the promised land. Hosea followed him. Oh, and that was hard for Hosea. Elijah and Elijah followed him. And then, and then Jesus called the disciples. He, did, he didn't say, hey, learn about me. Hey, study my teaching. He said, follow me. And he called Simon. He called Andrew. He called James. He called John. He called Philip, Nathaniel, Bartholomew, Matthew, Levi, Thomas, Simon the Zealous, Thaddeus, and Judas. Then he called 72, and he called 120. And on the day of Pentecost, he called uh, 3,000 to turn the way that they've been going. They've been walking, living in their own life, turn around, Follow Jesus. And he's calling you today. There is a voice coming from heaven today calling the world to follow Jesus. Because there are so many voices in this world right now. There are so many distractions in this world. There are so, much, there's so many arguments in this world. The only way that you're going to get through this is to be with Jesus. And the only way you can be with him is to follow him. And when you follow him, guess what? There's something that comes in you and something that comes on you that makes, it, uh, uh, that makes you able to live this life above everything that's going on. Today, Jesus is saying, Will, listen to me, will you follow me? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, here, here's the truth. Every one of you is thinking about something. Maybe you're thinking about, you know, your bed and your pillows. Maybe you're thinking about, you know, you're, you're in line for the next promotion. Maybe you're thinking about, well, I've been doing that with my family all these years. I don't know what it is. You're thinking about something, but you must deny yourself and follow him. Jesus said something that's really, really difficult to understand. He said, if you don't hate your mother and father and, and follow me, then, then you're not worthy to be my disciple. And, and I, here, I want to explain that. Not, it's not like hate, like, ooh, odious. I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated with you. I'm so, I'm, that's not the kind of hate he's talking about. He's saying, if you don't put your mother and your love for your mother and father below my love, your love for me, you're not worthy. 
If you love anything else in this world more than you love Jesus, then what, what does the church call that? An idol. And we're not to worship idols. Matthew chapter 8, verse 19 says, One of the teachers of the religious law uh, came to Jesus and said, Teacher, get this, he, he knows what he has to do, right? Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus knew his heart. He knew what he really meant. I, you know, if you're, if you're here every Sunday, I'll be here. You know, I, I'll follow you. I'll follow you to every event that you, I'll follow you to every event. Okay, if you're going to be at the Mount of Olives, I'll be there. If you're going to be at the Sea of Galilee, I'll be there. Jesus didn't say, meet me at the Sea of Galilee. He said, follow me. And this guy had heard it over and over. So he says, I will follow you anywhere. But Jesus said, uh, are you really sure? Because foxes have dens. Animals have places to live in. Birds have nests. But, but the Son of Man, as who Jesus called himself, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And in the connotation of this, we gather that this man turned away and left Jesus. And he left the very one who would give him everything that he desired. Another one of his disciples said, Lord, first let me return to my home and bury my father. And Jesus said something again that sounds really mean. He said, follow me and let the spiritually dead bury the dead. And you say, well, yeah. I mean, that was Jesus. He's, he's, he was calling them to be disciples. He was calling them to, to spread the word with him. Well, Jesus is calling you today. Jesus is calling you today. Listen, he's not so worried about what you're, he's not concerned. He doesn't desire what you're going to do for him. He wants you. He wants a relationship with you that can't, you cannot separate you from him. A rich young ruler came to him in Matthew chapter 19, and he said in verse 16, someone came to Jesus with this question. That's what it says. Teacher, what good deed must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, oh, come on. If it's up to me, if I, got to do, if I got to do something, what must I do? Jesus said, follow the commandments. And, and, and the guy said, oh, I've, I've obeyed all, verse 20, I've obeyed all these commandments. What else must I do? Because he knew that wasn't enough. He had enough spiritual aptitude, an intellectual aptitude that he knew that doing wasn't doing certain things, not eating certain things, cleaning himself a certain way, obeying certain laws. Weren't, it wasn't enough because he didn't have eternal life. So he said, well, okay, what must I do then? What, else, what am I missing? Jesus said, go and sell all of your possessions. Give the money to the poor. See, Jesus had a ministry to take care of, but he didn't need his money. Jesus had like 120 people that he had to feed constantly at this point in his ministry. So he, Yeah, he could have used money, but he didn't need his money. He didn't want his money. He wanted him. He said, now here's what you do. You, you get rid of what's holding you back. You, you, you deny yourself, your life, and then come follow me. You won't know where we're going. You won't know what you're going to eat. You don't even, won't even know where you're going to sleep, but I'll be with you. And it says the rich... The rich young ruler, when he heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. The truth is, he didn't have many possessions. His many possessions had him. The creator of the universe is standing before him. 
the author of life is standing before him. And he chooses his stuff. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He wasn't talking about, he wasn't talking about going to heaven. What must I do to have what you have inside of you? He says, follow me. Are you with me so far? Say, follow me. I'm going to give you another, another songwriter's name that you probably have never heard. Are you ready? Michael Lee Aday. Michael Lee Aday. Probably one of the most famous artists uh, in the, the 1970s and 80s. Michael D. Aday. His first, his first album went straight to the top. Straight to the top. And his first album remained on, on the records uh, on the billboard nine years. So I know you've heard his work. Nine years. And today, that first record with, is still selling 200,000 albums a year. Do you know who he is? You don't know him by Michael. You know him by Meatloaf. Meatloaf's first album was Bad Out of Hell. Boy, did I listen to, I listened to, I listened to Bad Out I had to go through three or four eight tracks. It was because my car was old. I wasn't. It went through three or four eight tracks. I went through cassettes. I, I even got it. I got him on DVD. I hate to tell you this, but I even got him on my iPad. Because some of those songs, you know, I grew up with Dashboard Lights. Come on, baby. You know what I mean? If anybody's been there. Was that too quick? He recorded this song in 1990 and he released it. And the song is this. You guys know it. First part of the title. I would do anything for love. He says, I would do anything for love. He said, I would run to the gates of hell and back. I would do anything for love. I, I, would, I would never lie to you. That's a fact. But, uh, but I never will forget the way. Listen here. This is it. You feel right now. This is sensual. This is, this is not love. This is lust. I'll never forget the way you feel right now. He says, I will do anything for love, uh, but I, I won't do that. I won't do that. And, and if you read into this and you look at it and you listen to the song, because he would never tell you, a meatloaf would never tell you what the that was, but the that was commitment. I, I will do, I love the way you feel right now, baby. And to get all the benefits of this relationship, I'm going to tell you, I love you. I will, I love you so much, I, but I won't follow you. I'm not going to give up my life to be with you. I'm not going to give up my will to be with you. I'm not going to give up my freedom to be with you. I'm not going to give up my bachelorship to be with you. But, but oh, these dashboard lights, come on, I feel you, baby. He's saying something. He's saying, I love you, but he really doesn't. His actions don't line up with his words. He wanted the benefits of the relationship without commitment. So here's my question right now. First question. What is your that? Jesus is calling you to follow him. I'll do anything for Jesus. I'll go anywhere, for, but I won't, I, I won't do that. What's your that? Is it you won't, you won't change jobs? Is it you, you, you won't take your, your free time and, and invest it into the word of God? I don't know what your that is. Maybe your that is I won't, I won't give to the Lord. I won't, I won't, I won't return. To, I don't know if you, that's it. Maybe, maybe it's that, you know, you've got things that you want to do. And, and as long as Jesus doesn't get in the way of those things, everything's going to be all right. What is your that? 
this morning I'm here to tell you, I fear that most, for most Christians, there that is following Jesus. I love you, Jesus, and I celebrate you, Jesus. But, but as long as it doesn't interfere with my goals and, and my life, and as long as it doesn't put pressure on me, as long as, as it doesn't cause stress, then, then, Lord, I love you. But where you go, there's pain. Where you go, there's sorrow. Where you go, it's hard. I don't like hard. I like my soft pillow. I, I don't like hard. I like my schedule and my routine. I... I, I I'll do anything for you, Jesus, uh, but I won't do that. I want to read something to you in the Word of God here. He says, uh, he says Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, not everyone who calls, because Jesus knew people wouldn't follow him. He knew it. He said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father. And what is the will of the Father? Well, it's love, lead, and teach. Follow Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, you're going to love, lead, and teach. And guys, I know, I have just as many problems in these areas that you do. I have problems of, of loving Nija when she's not lovable. How you couldn't imagine that, but it happens, at least in my eyes, sometimes. And I have trouble loving my friends when they do things that I don't like or don't do things that I want them to do. I, just like you, I have the same problems. I have problems, listen, leading people to Jesus because I'm afraid they're going to reject me and hurt me. So I might not share or I'm tempted not to share. And, and guys, sometimes it's very hard for me to teach people to follow Jesus because I know sometimes I don't. Peter was the same way. I'm all in, Jesus, until the cross and the nails and the, 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 the whip came out. And then he denied him. But what did Jesus do? Listen, you just turn around like he did. And he restored him in his love. Because to, be, to know Jesus is not only to love him, to, to know him experientially. Now, it's not only to love him, but it's to be loved. True disciples, everybody smile, true disciples follow Jesus. Remember Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. He didn't say, uh, you know... Here's what I want you to do. I want you to call me on Thursdays. I want you to Zoom me or have a FaceTime meeting. He didn't say, I want you to meet me in Capernaum. He didn't say, I want you to meet me in the synagogue every Saturday, every Sabbath, come to the synagogue. That's not what he said. He didn't say, meet me at the Sea of Galilee Monday, Wednesday, and Friday after you guys are done fishing. He, did, he said, what did he say? Follow me. Now Listen. We shouldn't follow him out of fear because that won't last. We shouldn't fear, uh, uh, follow him out of, oh, if we do this, then we're going to get that. No, we follow him because we love him. We're willing to give up things, relationships, people, because we love him. See, love is what pulls that bond to follow. I'd rather live in his world than without him in mine uh, maybe you're like, maybe you really are like me. I hope not. Because I struggle in 
uh, ways, not, not, not in my overall life. I'm committed to Jesus 100%. But, but maybe you're not following him like I, some days I don't follow him during the day. I, I, I wake up in the morning and, and I say, hi, Jesus. Thank you for saving me, waking me up, fill me, make my day a good day. Okay, and then I go and I leave him in the bedroom. And I do my day. I'm not walking with him through the day, so therefore I don't have the spiritual juice that I need to. And I come back at night and I say, hi, Jesus. I love you. I'm sorry I didn't have time to spend any time in the word with you today. Uh, I'm sorry I, I didn't think about you today, but I love you. Uh, help me to have a good night's sleep. Fill me, fill me with your spirit. Use me in Jesus' name. And you know what? We don't understand why we don't have any joy. Because this is all about following Jesus, and we're not, we're not following him. So I'm going to go to something. I, I just had a, a guy came into my office this week. Uh, his name, uh, you guys would recognize his name. He, he, used to, he used to be the voice to Iowa on WHO. His name is Van Harden. He and I had a wonderful conversation. This is one thing that he said to me. I, I explained to what I was preaching. He said, that's what I do every single morning. He said, I said, Lord, I, I pray three things. Lord, show me, tell me, send me. Show me what you have for me to do. This is his prayer every morning. Show me what you have to do, what you have for me to do today. Tell me what to do and send me out to do it. You might not have ever known he's a man of faith. We've had him here and ministered to our men's group. He's, he's a phenomenal teacher, a phenomenal leader, a phenomenal storyteller. But the thing about him is he loves Jesus with all of his heart. He says, show me, tell me, and send me. And then you know what he does? He goes where he shows him. He says what he's told to say, and he goes where he's told to go. But maybe, maybe, maybe you're like me that you struggle on those ways. You see, we can, we can be connected to Jesus through our devotions, and we can be connected through our church service and still not experience eternal life, still not experience the joy of the relationship. We're alive in Christ, but we don't thrive. See, we're alive because we get enough, enough fertilizer on our roots on Sunday morning. Woo! And we're, we, we're on life support, baby. We're alive in Christ, but we don't thrive. We, we, have, uh, we, we eat one, one sentence out of the Bible a day, and, and, and we think that's enough nutrients to cause us to grow and be fruitful. Come on, Jesus. If you love him, it's not about how much. It's about how much you love him. I don't know if you, you know this, but pursuit is the proof of desire. Uh, I remember when Ninja and I met, um, I, w I was really not in a situation that I wanted a relationship, but I was lonely. And, and I, so I did not pursue her. But that woman pursued me every morning, every noon, every night. I remember one time her brother came. Her brother was about the age of any. They came to visit um, in the evening. We played cards together. That's how we got to know each other, playing cribbage and, and pitch and things like that. We played cards together, getting to know. They played their little toys, uh, uh, action figures on the fireplace. And, and I remember this. Is, the pursuit is a proof of desire. 
So there's this knock on the door, and, you know, Vinny and I are still asleep. It was a late night. And there's me just smiling with a cup of coffee and a cup of hot cocoa. I look in there and say, oh, my God, they're here again. She was pursuing me. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling you that I wasn't playing the game, too. I was just being, I was just being, I was playing chess. I let, I let her pursue me, so, you know, in essence, for some reason, I thought that would make me in charge, but that is stupid, stupid, stupid. But her pursuit was the proof of her desire. And, and your pursuit of Jesus, your daily pursuit, is the proof of your desire and your love for him. Mark chapter 4, verse 18 talks about, it talks about different soil that the word of God gets planted into. But in verse 18, it says, The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear the word of God. They love, oh man, they get excited. Uh, it's how they feel. I'll never forget how you feel right now. They hear the word of God, but all too quickly, the message is, is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth the desires of other things, so fruit is not produced. Same word. What's missing? What's missing? Pursuit, following. Because Jesus didn't say believe in me in a way that you think. It's just believe up in my head. No, believe means you're going to follow him. You're going to pursue him. huh? Believe in me. Because back in the Bible days, listen, when you said something, if it didn't line up with what you were doing, you know, you could be punished in some circles by death. So if you said you loved him, then you're going to follow him. That's why he had an entourage that kept growing no matter where he went. Maybe for you, it's a kid. You got to get the kids to school. Maybe it's work, a work situation. Maybe it's strife or, or an argument with your spouse. Maybe your kids are making the wrong decision. and You're focusing on that. Maybe maybe you're you're focusing on paying the mortgage and the bills, the car payment. Uh, you're paying for college. If you focus on these things and you take your eye off Jesus, you'll chase the things that you're looking at, And you open up, like I said last week, your, your hands are in your pockets. Like I was in that store with my mom, because that was the rule. And I started looking at the toys, the things. And I had my mom in the corner of my eye, and I just kept following that shadow that I was watching. And about five minutes later, I reached up to grab her hand, and it wasn't my mama. I was following the wrong person, because I had my eyes on the wrong thing. You know, you have to be looking at the thing that you're following. Or maybe, maybe, guys, maybe it's this. This is what happens in the Christian world. You know, Jesus, oh, I, 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 man, I found him in college. Wow. I found him in college in a big way. And I said, I will follow you. I'll follow you. And, and, and then, oh, uh, I'll follow you, but let me get married. And, and then I'll follow you after I get married. Because, you know, i got to have a wife. That's what the Bible says. And, and then, uh, you know, I'll follow you. I'll follow you after I have kids. Hey, Jesus, I'm so busy raising these kids. I, I feel it. I know what you want me to do. But I'll follow you after they get done with soccer and they graduate high school. And then it's I'll follow you after they get graduate from college. And then it's I'll follow you after I pay off the mortgage. And then it's I will follow you after I retire. And then it's I will follow you after I get to spend time with my grandkids. You see, pursuit is the proof of desire. I would rather be in his world than without him 
in mind. Let's, let's choose him. Let's choose his will. Let's, let's choose his word. Let's choose his ways. Let's choose his world because we love him. Let's choose him, not because of fear, but because we love him. We'd rather be in his world than without him in ours. I want, I want to share with you out of, in the NIV, there's a particular verse, and it says, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, it says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and follow me. That's what it says in the NIV. Now, this is going to blow your mind. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. It says, if you want to be my follower, then you must deny yourself and follow me. Because in the Greek, there is no designation or differentiation between disciple and follow. It's the same word. If you want to be my follower, you deny yourself and then follow me. We've got disciples who aren't following Jesus. We've got people who call themselves Christian and don't know the Christ. Come on. I've been there. I know. I've woken. I get so busy for weeks on end, even pastoring that I didn't have a relationship with Jesus that nurtured me and strengthened me and filled me. In the Greek, in the original language, there is no distinguish. Distinguish. There is no. There's no separation. There's no. Let me try it again. There's no distinction between disciple and follower. And literally in the Greek, this word uh, disciple means of movement from one point to the other with the, with the focus on approach from the invitation or from the one who's inviting. So it's not I believe in you. It's that I believe in you enough that I'm going to follow you. You hear it? Uh, now, let me break this down for you. All these men in the Bible followed, right? Jesus said something. He said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. Why? Because he was following him. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. Why? Because he was following him. Jesus is calling for followers. Jesus is calling for followers. Are you following Jesus? Are you following a denomination? Or are you following a set of rules like the rich young ruler was? Are you following a man? Or are you following the man? Jesus. So here's questions for you. You don't have to answer them. In your heart. Will you surrender? Would you be willing to leave the location of your familiar, of your created comfort, of your system of living, of your habits? Would you leave those things and choose him? See, I, I fear that, that we Christians want salvation without surrender. We want forgiveness without repentance. We want blessing without suffering. Glory without suffering, blessing without holiness, strength. We want strength without sacrifice. We want to be disciples without following. You know, this song, Midnight Train to Georgia, is a love song. It, it speaks of love and surrender and repentance and commitment and faithfulness and following. Salvation is a call to love. It speaks of love, surrender, repentance, suffering, commitment, faithfulness, and following. I'm telling you, if you fall in love with Jesus, 
you'll never have to worry about proximity. Because when you, when you just miss him by a little bit, you feel it on the inside. You say, I got to go back to where I was with him. It's not always physical. Sometimes it's just spiritual. But if your daily life isn't affected by your following Jesus, then you're probably not following Jesus. You got your hand in your pockets and you're looking at the toys. And you open up your eyes and you say, where did you go, Jesus? Jesus is always moving. You need to follow him. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, and this is the message, the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. In Christianity, declare means profession or confession or declaration, but it means we declare and we profess what we live. There's, there's not a difference there. In Christianity, when you confess or you profess, you're confessing what you do. Jesus is my Lord. Lord literally means owner, master, the one I follow. Would you bow your head with me? Dear Heavenly Father, help us. Open up the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our spirit, the eyes of our inner man so we could see where Jesus is leading. Open up our spiritual ears so we can hear where he's beckoning us to. Give us the strength to follow. Give us the desire to pursue. Lord Jesus, we love you. We surrender. We repent. We commit ourselves to you. If you're in this place this morning and you know you need to commit yourself to Jesus, that you'll be a follower of him, I'm not going to have you come forward, but as, as an act of confession and obedience, just slip up your hand real quick and put it back down. Yes, 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 yes. Don't be bashful, yes. Don't be bashful. Good. Now, guys, let's put our hand on our heart and let's just pray this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, I do believe in your son, Jesus. I give my life to him. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Sit on the throne of my heart. Lead me every day. And I will follow you. And I will follow you. To the best of my ability. For the rest of my days. Now, open up your eyes. Guys. It's not difficult. We just make it difficult. We make it hard. Love, lead, teach them how to follow. Amen.